Welcome to From There to Here with your host, Miranda Dekonsky. Together, we'll explore our personal journeys and how they have impacted where we are today. We hope that you'll walk away inspired, motivated, energized, and knowing that there is no right or wrong path. Each path is uniquely our own. And now your host, Miranda. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of From There to Here. I am your host, Miranda Dekonski, and today I am so excited to be sitting here chatting with Alex Farmer. Alex, thank you so much for joining me. I know it's, I don't know, what time is it where you're at? Just after five. So you'll have to, yeah, exactly. We're drinking something somewhere just after (laughs) five o'clock. Awesome. Happy to be here. Well, thank you. I haven't seen you in, I don't know, two months. (laughs) We were at uh, the Tatango conference together. Exactly. And and I, I, uh, I was, as you were referring to, that was in your time zone out in California. So I was incredibly jet lagged and, uh, you, you, hopefully you remember, uh, uh, the great conversation we had, cause I think I may have forgotten by now, but it's great to be back speaking with you. Cause I don't think we had seen each other in person ever, ever. until that time. So it feels like yesterday it does. to see you again today. Yes, indeed. Yeah. And for those that don't know you, tell me a little bit about yourself, who you are, what you do, where you're from, all that good stuff. Sure. Uh, first of all, thanks for having me. Super happy to be here. Uh, big fan of the podcast uh, and the approach you're taking just to kind of uh, uh, touch on folks' background and journeys. Um, my journey started uh, in the Silicon Valley. So actually, uh, I know you're not from there. I'm from there, but I don't live there anymore. So I think one day I might go all the way around the world and come back. But uh, I was born and raised in the heart of the Silicon Valley uh, in Mount, a Mountain View High School graduate. So I kind of wear Silicon Valley on my sleeve, if you like. Um, and then I went to college in Boston and now I live in London. So if I keep going, maybe I'll, I'll get all the way back to California one day. But, uh, today I work at a company called Cognite and I'm actually sat here in our headquarters in Oslo, Norway. So just a little bit further East. So, so yes, maybe indeed we'll be getting back to California soon. Um, and we're an industrial data ops company. We work at the industrial companies, um, to help them get value from their data. Uh, and then in my spare time, I'm also uh, uh, starting a customer success awards event, of which uh, we're very grateful to have you as one of our illustrious judges. Uh, and uh, the EMEA awards are actually now open for nominations. So I'm super excited about that. We have an awards gala in just about a month, um, which you're going to be yes, there yes, in person. I am. Wow. So in the six weeks, I'll see you again. Um, I think you're going to get sick of me at some point, but we're really excited about that. Customer success excellence is what's that called. And it's the same uh, URL for our website if you want to learn more. So that's uh, taking up a lot of my free time at the moment, but a super exciting project to really try and recognize those, let's say maybe uh, softer voices in customer success that are just putting their head down, uh, their heads down and making an impact. So um, that's me. So uh, just to be clear, are the nominations only open up to folks that work in that region or are you getting nominations from all over the place? This is a great question. Why is EMEA special? Um, it's not. It's just the first one. Uh, so, so we are focused. It's a regional awards program. So we're going to the Americas next and then APAC later in 2023. You need to either be located in EMEA or work for a company with an HQ in EMEA. So we've tried to kind of cast the wider net um, to, to get as many people recognized. But, uh, if you're not, if you don't qualify now, you will qualify later. Uh, so, so stay tuned. We got a lot of big plans and and we're really excited about it. Well, I'm excited. I have to tell you, I'm doing a couple of presentations at the customer conference in London 
And while I'm so excited for that, the one thing I'm really stressed out about is what am I going to wear to this awards gala? It seems so fancy. And I, I don't know, like when you, you, you know, I, the, the imagery and everything that's attached to it, I'm like, do I need to like go rent the runway or can I just wear a pantsuit? <laughs> like this, well, is, I, look, this is what's going through my mind. I, I don't dare to wade into fashion advice, but I will say I used to call it the Academy of Awards of customer success. So people got a picture for you know, the pomp and circumstance. But of course, there's been some, uh, the Academy Awards have been in the news recently. And as, as one of our hosts, I really hope not to be slapped. So, so I need to stop using that analogy, that's for sure. But it will be, I think, smart casual. It's an opportunity to not be a conference. It's an anti-conference. It's about showing up and celebrating the best in our profession with, you know, ultimately to give back, right? CS is such an open community, as you and I both have discussed and, and know. And we just kind of deserve a moment to, to not talk about the next best practice, but just to to, to enjoy each other's company and, and celebrate our the best in our profession. Uh, and then we'll worry about the learning the day after. That sounds like a plan to me. Uh, so kind of uh, going back a little bit on your life and shifting gears here, what did you want to do when you were growing up? So it's a funny one. At least everybody, every, you know, when I was growing up, I uh, I feel like everybody wanted to be like a cowboy or an astronaut, or a cowgirl, of course, you know, or, you know, one of those type of professions, right? And and for me, even from the youngest age, I wanted to be a lawyer or a politician, which is probably far too, uh, uh, <laughs> far too revealing of my psychology, but that's why we're here. Uh, and I, I just really loved like legal shows. Boston Legal was like my favorite television program ever. Right. And just like that quick witted kind of, you know, objection did mock trial in high school. Um, so, yeah, I always wanted to be a lawyer, even from like the age of six. And I think part of it is because my parents used to tell me, you know, you should invest. <laughs> Basically, let's say I was uh, I was a young litigator growing up in our household. <laughs> uh, so I think maybe that poisoned the well a bit. And they, they, they suggested I invest my energy uh, in being a lawyer instead of arguing with them. But um, it was, uh, yeah, always been the dream. And then, you know, bluntly, I, that, I changed course because for me, I'm someone that likes to learn by doing and learn by failing and getting my hands dirty. I mean, that's why I've been in the startup space, I think, for some time. And, and the prospect after college of doing another couple of years learning how to be a lawyer before you maybe have the privilege of being an associate helping others do stuff uh, was just not an attractive prospect for me. So maybe it'll be the uh, the sunset of my career. I highly doubt it. But uh, yeah, uh, I was serious from a young age. And I think I lost that seriousness somewhere down the path. Let's just put it like that. I was going to say, I don't view you as a serious person at all. You, you got kind of like a little bit of a goofy flair to you that I really enjoy. Well, there's no substance here, Miranda. I hate to, I hate to share it with you. It's it's no serious, no substance, just all all energy and jokes. So I'm not sure that works well in the courtroom, but hopefully it works well in the tech startup space. Let's just say that it does. And here's the funny thing: you are probably I don't know the sixth or seventh person in customer success on this podcast that wanted to be a lawyer. I'm in. I'm one of them, and I don't know if there is like this trend there or not. I don't want to draw conclusions from six data points, but it's pretty fascinating. It's very interesting. And, and, and I guess, you know, when we were making this determination, customer success didn't exist and technology and SaaS maybe wasn't what it was. Um, but yeah, I don't feel I argue with anyone in my job. Um, 
Mm, yeah, good. Good for well, us. That's wow. not true. That's, maybe, I, maybe I do argue a bit with a few people, but not my customers. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Right. Good. You, you, use, you polish your legal skills internally. Very good. Yes. Yes, absolutely. So are there any moments from your childhood or your past that you think mapped you on this particular direction? Whether it's like you living abroad or you, you know, the career you're in, whatever, you know, you want to pick apart. Yeah, great question. I a couple of things come to mind. Um, in college, actually, I think what mapped me, you know, for me, I'm somebody that kind of, I don't know, I I I spend a lot of time with my head down, focused on a goal instead of looking at the horizon and contemplating. Right, I'm, I'm a little bit more action orientated, I guess, and and I that's kind of led me to to make snap decisions and drive down a certain path. Um, you know, I, I actually, it's a very timely podcast. I, I, not that anyone, it's, it's just kind of like a half birthday. I don't think anyone counts this except the person, but my decade anniversary of full-time career work is, is coming up in about uh, 40 days. So I'm going to treat myself on that day. It actually happens to be, and this is a true statement, the night of the awards gala in London. And I, I, I did not plan it to be that way. I just realized that they are complete. So my point being 10 years in the working world are just about and uh, the full-time, you know, career working world, let's say. And what set me on that path was an internship. Well, was my mother. And here's how she uh, went to a personal trainer or like a group training course, let's say, you know, for physical, physical fitness uh, in Mountain View, California. And uh, somebody else who was attending that uh, personal training session uh, uh, was the CEO of a three-person leadership development consulting firm based in San Francisco. A company's called Trimergence. His name is Ward Ashman. And he describes himself as a psychologist who's good at business. And what they did was, and I, and I happened to be a guest, uh, a guest, that's a bit strong, uh, an attendee of this uh, personal training um, session because uh, my mom told me to come along and meet him, right? Um, and that set me up with an internship at this leadership development consulting firm. They essentially, you know, the McKinsey's and the BCG's of the world consult on uh, process and you know business. Uh, this this is an organization that consults on top management getting along with one another, and you know the strengths, the weaknesses, the the, the propensities of each leader. And it was exceptionally interesting, and it really kind of opened this door for me to explore the world of HR. Uh, and I started my career in HR tech. Uh, so that kind of set me down the path. But was what I found, the other thing was my task at the internship was to sort out their Salesforce implementation. Oh, and I was in between. <laughs> Sorry, I just, I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it was the only paid option available to me for that summer. So that was very good. And, uh, you know, it was kind of through a connection and, and, and that, that worked out well. But uh, I, I learned Salesforce kind of using this was early Salesforce, right? They didn't have the trailheads and lightning experience. So I learned Salesforce just using all the guides online and cleaned it up, created them some reports and dashboards. And um, interestingly enough, and so, so that was a great experience. And I learned a lot about self-awareness and about kind of, uh, you know, different personality types. You know, it, it, to be honest, it, it felt a little bit like kind of hot air and fluff until I read what became my profile on their version of the Enneagram, which they call the nine doors. And I've never read anything that more accurately describes oneself. And I think it's such an interesting gift to be able to zoom to an altitude almost outside yourself 
to see your skill, you know, your persona described. And, and I just found that so powerful at a young age to, to almost know now in business or when I'm practicing my litigation skills, when I'm getting into not the good version of that. And yeah. it helps me recalibrate. And, yeah. and I'll, I'll just finish by saying that, uh, that, that, con- that that confluence of Salesforce and HR set me up to be employee 32 at the only Salesforce-based HR software company in the world at the time called Fairsale. So I nailed the interview because I knew Salesforce already. And there was a technical test and then kind of jumped into a career in HR tech um, until I, I realized maybe I, I enjoy other domains or wanted to explore other domains. But that really set me up, I think, on the, the path to where I am today. And then it's just been a, uh, a journey from, from there to here, if I can use the phrase. You can. You can. I love that. <laughs> I, um, one, I appreciate you sharing all of that. Uh, I took a personality test years ago. And what's really funny is I've taken the same personality test multiple times since one through an executive coach and one on my own. And I test the same every time. So I don't know what that says about me, but have you taken a Myers-Briggs? Yes. Yeah. So Myers-Briggs, that's the four letters, right? Yeah. Do you remember what you are? I think I'm ENTJ, which is like the dictator psychopath. So uh, I think description. So that's comforting. Um, but I think there's, you know, one of the things that, I, and then there's also the disc, right. And I'm like a yeah. big I little D. So like, I guess it's what is it? Inspiration or influence and then direct. Uh, and, and those are interesting, but if I may, and, and, and I didn't come on today to plug the, the value of Tremergence in the leadership development consulting firm, but it was really powerful stuff. And what I found great is that you know, DISC and these others kind of put you in a box and they say, this is who you are, where they're the, the IP uh, from Trimergence, which is, again, a, a different flavor of the Enneagram. Here you have a home base and then you have influences on the, the, the scale and then you have temporary transformations to other uh, numbers. It's a one to nine. Um, I'm an eight. I'm going to have um, to check it out. It was really interesting. And, and, and it really helps me. I mean, so I'm an eight and that means my, and they really they do a quite nice job. They boil it down into one motto. And my motto as an eight is let's do this right now. And my, my gift is enthusiasm and my uh, the development area is impulse. Uh, and that very accurately describes me, but I can feel myself in corporate settings, moving more into a nine where uh, it's much more about unity and consensus and a little bit more circumspect. Uh, or a seven, which is about logic and execution. And, and to know when those things are happening is quite interesting because it helps me kind of recalibrate. Um, and I don't do this, you know, every day, but it's, it's a nice, uh, recalibration moment every so often uh, to take a pause from that impulsivity, let's say. Well, that's really cool. And before we completely move on from this particular topic, I'm an ESTJ. So we probably share a lot of <laughs> common traits uh, in the world. Uh, we should talk about yeah, that yeah. when I'm in London. We should talk about that. Yeah, exactly. The new season could be all about psychology and customer success or something. Huh? But exactly. that is interesting. We also both wanted to be lawyers. So maybe we're yeah. just a lot of, you know, a lot of the same same archetypes. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. Maybe we should uh, get everyone together in customer success and make them all take personality tests. And we chart it out to see if there's some kind of similarity there. Like, I love data. I can nerd out on data all day long. Um, start collecting everybody's like 
uh, personality types, do some mapping, see if there's a commonality. High touch or low touch. Yeah. Right? Are they totally startup or enterprise, right? Yes. All of these things. Okay. Good. We can totally like use it. this in recruiting to build out maps of the perfect customer success type for each type of company and each type of role, leveraging personality types. I don't know. There could be some there. Well, there. Let's get started. Let's get started. <laughs> okay. Wow. All right. Well, now we just invented a new company. Um, so kind of shifting gears a little bit. One of the things I also want to do with this podcast, um, you know, on top of normalized journeys and the ebbs and flows and the ups and downs is to talk about mistakes we've made along the way and maybe things that we've learned from those mistakes. Do you have any mistakes that you've made in the 10 years of your working career as you come to your anniversary that stand out to you as a moment of either great learning or a precipice of change or something? I love this question. And it's very not eight or ENTJ to be able to answer this question, I think. Um, so, so it's a particularly apt question uh, to challenge my self-awareness. But two things really come to mind. Um, I think more generally, you know, if my motto is let's do this right now, my downside is we, we bite off more than we can chew and we, we get a lot of plates spinning uh, all at one time and ultimately plates break. And then the drawback of that is when a plate breaks is some, you know, is, 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 is a person persona personality type that holds itself quite to a high standard um, and doesn't want to, you know, make any small mistake that can really, you really get peaks and troughs right? When one of those plates breaks. And, and I think that's a real challenge. I had an experience when I was new to customer success. Uh, I think it was December 2015. I became a CSM at Fairsale, right? To connect back the, the Salesforce-based HR company. Uh, January 1st, 2015. And de- December, let's say 17th, 2015, I came into the office early. And it was the night, it was the day before our Christmas party, a Christmas party, holiday party was going to be the evening. I came into the office early because uh, I needed to get a lot of work done to get some things out of my queue. I was our only CSM. We had about 75 customers. And uh, I started working. And then it got to three o'clock and some people stepped away to kind of do an informal, say, they say in the States, pre-game. In Europe, we say pre-party. So take your pick. Um, I kept working. Clock went to six. People were, you know, came in and said, "Hey, you going to leave and come with us?" I said, "No, no, a couple more hours." I think I finished at nine p.m. This is not a story about working hard. This is a story about saying yes to way too many things that are not the job of the customer success manager. So I was young in my career and I was new to CS, and I said, "Yeah, I'll get this done for you. No problem. You know what? I'll teach you how to do it next time. I'll do this for you. I'll give you the fish instead of teach you how to fish." And that cue got so backed up. The reason I wanted to finish is because I was going on vacation for two weeks after. But I missed half of our Christmas party because I was too busy completing tasks for our customers instead of enabling them to get their own value. And that was a real aha moment for me. And that was, you know, this example of too many plates spinning. Um, and, and then obviously some, some having to cl- crash. But I think it was a really good aha moment that's really kind of uh, directed my thoughts on customer success, having experienced those, those downsides, uh, let's yeah. say. I see so many customer success managers do this. Just so you know, they, yeah. I don't know if it's because we have this helper mentality in CS. Yes. And it's so hard to say no, um, or even to know how to say no. 
but also still empower folks. It's, it's a skill. And, and there's such an important skill. And there, there's, a, there's a corporate culture and management challenge, right? Which is customer X, you know, we say no to them. They escalate. Boss comes down and says, why'd you say no to this customer? Right? Yeah. But, but there, there's a TED Talk. Um, the person, I think it's TEDx Talk, actually. I, I actually don't know the difference, but I'll be accurate. Um, who knows? Um, but his name is Kevin Nguyen, I think is his name. And he, he's not from customer success, but it's a 13-minute TED Talk where he talks about the power of no and using your yes. He says, everyone has a yes sword and they have a no shield. And everybody focuses on their right arm, which has their yes sword in it, you know, cutting down things that they need to get done. And yes, yeah, I can help you. You know, I conquer this, I conquer that. But then our left arm doesn't use our no shield. Uh, and it's, it's a very kind of uh, succinct analogy of how CS actually, you know, yes is not always the right answer, right? And, and actually using our no shield sometimes for the customer gets them to be successful, even if temporarily they might become unhappy. Yeah. And I think that maturity uh, uh, in our function is still being developed, let's say. I totally agree. Totally agree. Um, so let's look out 150 years from now. I'm going to add on 50 years. Okay. <laughs> I ask 100 years of everyone else, but 150 for you. Uh, should uh, I be flattered? I, I'm not that young. But yes, be. thank you. Who should Go be? Ahead. Oh my gosh, um, thank you so much. <laughs> so people are reminiscing about your legacy. What do you want them to be thinking about or talking about? Well, firstly, about? I, have no, I have no idea why, why, why are they are talking about me, but um, I guess I'm flattered from the grave. Uh, I think, honestly, I think someday I'd love to get you know, I don't want to be a lawyer, but I said at the start, lawyer or politician, you know, my career is in tech, but one day I'd love to kind of be more involved in politics. I'm actually a political science major. I studied East Asian politics uh, and lived in China for six months um, and have a real interest in kind of the, you know, what happens to yeah. to us as people. And, and you know, I, I, I vote every year by mail in the US, but also, you know, I live in a different country. I live in the UK, been there for nine years. So experience different political systems. So, so maybe something about, you know, positive change through activism and government. Um, but also I think, you know, more informally, that's a very serious answer, a less serious answer for me. You know, I, I always like to engage with energy and, and try and make things fun. Right. So to, to be maybe a little cheesy, I'd love to be uh, remembered as as somebody who was kind of positive and effervescent and positively impacted others because you know for me my moral compass you know if I'm if I'm nice to you you're going to be nice to that next person and 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 you know it kind of goes around right and I, and I think that's really something that uh, I try and operate with in a personal and professional setting. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I really love that. Well, something else, a little bit fun, hopefully. What's your biggest pet peeve? Oh, I get some really interesting answers to this when I ask the question. So, yeah, yeah, you know, something in my DNA or in one of my personality profiles just absolutely detests being told no and not given a reason. Mm. And yeah. maybe that's why I was such an expert young litigator. But you know, this idea of I decide because I have the authority, but I don't give you the, you know, but, but, but you know, I, 
I, I really believe in this idea, you know, of, of a more meritocratic approach, right? Where we invite other opinions, we gather the the, the right the facts, and then we make a decision. Yeah. Ultimately, somebody's got to make a decision. But if there's not the time of day to justify and say the reason we're doing it is this, this, and this, that sense of frustration really gets to me. There's a real palpable uh, frustration that I feel, um, and you know, it's a uh, um, I'm not, yeah, it's not a big struggle for justice, let's say, but, uh, uh, yeah, it's a pet peeve. Uh, it bothers me. I think, I, I, you know, I, I think I'm, I'm the same way. I don't know. I don't know why I, but, and maybe that's why I, uh, uh, I'm actually, I'm going to put a pin in this thought. <laughs> You're gonna come on. I'm gonna start a psychology podcast. Okay. Or no, we're doing this together. So <laughs> you'll be my first guest and we'll really, you know, maybe a glass of wine, loosen up, loosen up tell the filters. Me. We'll get there. Yeah. Tell me how this makes you feel. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. When I, I show you, I, I'm in. What do you see? <laughs> I'm in. I'm in. I'm sold. I'm sold. Oh, last question. If you could have dinner with any two people, dead or alive, who would they be and why? This is a, was, is a very hard question. And I have some obscure folks for you. Uh, I've thought about it. And I think some people, you know, I feel like some people say like Plato or, you know, Aristotle. First of all, they don't speak English. So good luck, right? So let's get a little practical here. Um, uh, but here's the two. I would start, I would like John Stewart to be yeah. one of the people. John, I know you're a big listener. So, so call <laughs> me. Okay. Uh, maybe he'll show up. Maybe, maybe you never know. Maybe I I have a, he's going to be the, you do. Hey, I I know, but maybe, and I won't clarify, I won't confirm or deny at this time. We might have a special guest at the customer success excellence awards gala in London. Is it John Stewart? Probably not, but you know, things can happen in 40 days. Okay. Call me John. Uh, so he's number one. Uh, and somebody who can't call me uh, is dead. Uh, this is a very obscure one. Ulysses S. Grant, mm. American general and president. And let me tell you why. Uh, well-respected general, kind of the winner of the Civil War. Uh, also chronic alcoholic. Um, that could be implied that I'm also, okay, okay. I'm going to put a pin in that. Uh, <laughs> that is not why I'm inviting him. But I invite him because he's an enigma, Okay. Wartime general who's very successful, very rough upbringing, uh, chronic alcoholic, but I think stopped doing that when he became president, but also regarded as a very bad president who was corrupt. Actually, he was more inept and uh, ignorant than he was corrupt. His cabinet, big corrupt cabinet, a lot of people in government corrupt, but uh, as I understand it, he was not aware of that corruption. It was a very idealistic uh, leader. So, so this enigma of success on the battlefield and, and maybe being from a small upbringing, being too trusting of others, um, likes to drink. Uh, so that means the dinner will be fun. Uh, I would like him to be there. I feel like he, he and John Stewart could really hit it off as well. So I was going to ask, um, do we have them together? Because that would I, be funny. I think John would agree with me. I think I could speak for John to say he'd probably also want uh, uh, Ulysses there. Um, we're already on a first name basis, the three of us. So this could work. This could work. work. Uh, and, and you, of course, Miranda. This goes without saying. Can I come? You're going to be there. Absolutely. Oh, okay. Absolutely. Yes, indeed. <laughs> oh, Alex, it was such a pleasure talking to you today. And I'm going to see you in a month. Uh, so this is going to be good. We're going to have a lot of fun. 
Um, hopefully, you know, I'm going to arrive in uh, Paris a few days before and spend, you know, three, four days in Paris before I head over to London. So I should be adjusted to the time zone by the time you see me, um, hopefully. <laughs> so. That will be great. That, that, unlike me, when I saw you in California. So I look forward to a conversation that we both remember. We both Can't remember. Wait. All right, Alex, we'll talk soon. Thanks for listening today. We hope that you enjoyed this episode of From There to Here. Check back weekly for new episodes. For more conversations about this episode and more, please feel free to follow Miranda on LinkedIn. See you soon.